0: DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic. He joins us on the Smart Rain Guest Line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net Doug, good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: We're doing well. How good a morning is it for Arizona State football? How are they handling the the headlines that started with a dribble and are picking up speed?
1: Um, well, I mean, publicly, they're, you know, saying business as usual. I mean, we haven't had a chance to to talk with them since uh, the news that they had placed two more assistant coaches on leave. Uh, But, you know, at Pac-12 meeting day, the first day of practice from Edwards was asked specifically about, you know, whether this could become a distraction. And he said no. Uh, But it is getting harder to believe that because now they're down three assistant coaches, um, just with all the maneuvering that they're doing to fill those spots that that affects four position groups, uh, about 40 players. And, you know, and and people have told me like, well, players don't care. You know, all they want to do is is go out there and and compete. That's not necessarily true. I mean, you know, they're probably the closest people they are to in the program are their position coach. And, you know, a lot of times those guys recruited them. uh, And now you bring someone else in and even if they've been, uh, you know, in the meetings and all that, it's, it's a different person. It's different language. Um, you know, and it takes. A, it's a different relationship. It takes some adjustment. So, um, not ideal to be you know three weeks before the home opener and, and having lost thirty percent of your staff for sure.
2: So, as I understand, all this stuff that has gone on is basically somebody ratted them out. And I know you don't want to say, but the idea being you know, the the coach who didn't get the O line job and so forth, and so you got all that. So. The thing that I haven't been able to figure it out is how much did Herm Edwards know?
1: Well, for your first point, uh, you know, I know a lot of the the, the fan speculation has pointed at Kevin Muy, the coach who didn't get the offensive line job. I'm not, I'm not positive that that's the case. Um, you know, and Kevin and Herm go back, you know, years. They yeah. played. You know, Herm coached him with the Jets, and uh, so you know, I'm not sure about that. Uh, How much did Herm know? Uh, You know, based on my reporting, um, you know, and it comes down to who you trust in this situation. uh, Because you talk to a lot of people, and sometimes you find out that the people you're talking to are just, you know, they're just repeating things that they heard from someone else who heard them from someone else. (laughs) But uh, I have heard that, you know, Herm was. uh, I have been told by people that I that I trust that, um, you know, he was aware that they were having some. Uh, prospects on campus during the non-contact COVID period. Uh, I don't know how many. Uh, I don't know if it's three, four, five. I don't know if it's uh, a dozen or more. Um, But, I mean, it it does seem like that Herm kind of delegated a lot of his recruiting duties to the recruiting coordinator, Antonio Pierce, um, and then just kind of, uh, you know, was ready that when Antonio needed him to talk to somebody that. You know, based on what I've been told, uh, that that was the case. Now, it's only one side of the story. Uh, Arizona State has not uh, responded publicly, not talked publicly, publicly, and, you know, just as a reminder, these things are just allegations, and, uh, you know, the NCAA will have to prove them uh, before, NC- before Arizona State might get punished for them. So
0: while obviously a lot of the impact people are wondering about is the impact on this year, how much is this going to impact recruiting going forward? I mean, this is three guys off the recruiting trail who all have high schools assigned to them in-state, although they don't get that many in-state guys, but they're also presumably taking trips when the NCAA allows it to uh, Southern California and to Texas and wherever else they're trying to recruit guys. It seems like losing three assistants on the recruiting trail is a massive hit.
1: Yeah, and that's the big thing. Uh, you know, Arizona State has a lot of talent, and a lot of start returning uh, starters in place for this year. But you know, a lot of times these things really don't impact the program significantly until later. Um, you know, Her- Herm Edwards made some coaching changes uh, a couple years ago, and what he did is he got rid of three guys. And he really went younger. He hired three young kids. I don't want to say kids, three young men, um, all under the age of thirty. And the main reason was, uh, you know, a lot of these guys didn't have really any recruiting experience. I'm sorry, uh, coaching experience. And the main reason was for recruiting. And it worked. I mean, these three guys, Chris Hawkins, Prince Gill, and Adam Freneman, the three guys on lead, were, uh, you know, they're three main recruiters. I mean, they're related to kids really well. Um, you know, Chris Hawkins, if you the rankings uh, used by 24-7 Sports, is one of the best recruiters in the Pac-12. Um, he and Prentice Gill, um, you know, teamed up to bring in uh, their top recruit of their 2022 class. Who hasn't signed yet? He's just committed, but they were the two lead recruiters on him. And so you wonder now, uh, you know, what effect that will have on the 2022 class and moving forward if, you know, they've already lost one commitment. So uh, that's a real concern because, you know, usually when there's a disruption like that uh, in the recruiting, you know, prospects
2: tend to look elsewhere. So as far as the immediate future, uh, uh, these decisions to basically suspend these three guys, I assume that was Ray Anderson, uh, along with the president, Dr. Crow, calling and saying to Herm, this is what we need to do in the short term, and I view it as sort of plugging the dam, so to speak. But the thought is that, okay, where does this end? Not from the NCA perspective, because that'll run its course as it takes its time to get to that point, whenever that might be. But from the ASU perspective, where does this end in the immediacy?
1: Well, from what I've been told, this is all um, coming from Michael Crow, the school president, uh, so, which is not unusual for him uh, in the past since he's been at Arizona State, uh, You know, whenever there's issues with NCAA, uh, he gets involved. And, you know, to me, this seems like Arizona State is trying to, you know, from what's been reported, I have not seen the content of this package that was sent to ASU compliance, and that is now in the hands of the NCAA. I have not seen the content of that. Uh, A national reporter has, and, you know, it seems like there's some pretty – potentially damaging information in that and the most significant of that information uh, seemed to deal with the three assistants who are now on leave. So it seems like Arizona State is trying to get out ahead of this, which is not uncommon. You know, in basketball, sometimes we see schools who are under the NCAA microscope, they kind of self-impose a tournament ban or something similar just to kind of hopefully when the NCAA makes a ruling, they might, you know, show, you know, just maybe go a little bit more lenient than what they would have if they had not. Self-imposed penalties. So it seems to me that Arizona State is in that phase right now that they are that they realize that you know they did some things that they shouldn't have, and they're trying to get out in front of it a little bit. If there are additional moves, I don't know what they would be. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation around Antonio Pierce, the recruiting coordinator, and whether it's believable that the three youngest guys on staff orchestrated this all by themselves. But um, you know, Antonio Pierce is higher up the line and. You know, he's really connected to, you know, he was, Herm Edwards was grooming him to be the next head coach here in North State. So, you know, I don't know. If they would lose him, then that would really, uh, really affect the entire operation. But, you know, whether it gets to that point, I, I don't know.
0: So in the meantime, are the players just uh, shaking this all off and doing their thing? They've got their NFL dreams and their conference title dreams and all that kind of stuff. Is it really cause that big a ripple right now?
1: Well, I mean, you know how players are—they're pretty resilient, um, you know. And you know they're going to take an us against the world mentality, which I think makes sense for them. Uh, you know, this is a lot of—I mean, they—they they didn't do any of this stuff. Um, you know, one of the players that Pat told media day did say something I thought was really interesting. He said that uh, it was Chase Lucas, their cornerback, all-conference quarterback, and he was there with Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, and he said that they had been talking while they were there in Los Angeles that. You know, if Arizona State doesn't win the Pac-12 this year, they're never going to win it. So, um, I thought that was interesting, and I thought maybe he was foreshadowing a little bit about where this might go. Um, But yeah, they're they're a talented group. I mean, just through the first week of practice, the defense, which returned all eleven starters, has looked outstanding. Now, granted, no one's in pads or anything, so I mean, it is what it is. But you know, they they have a lot of experience, a lot of guys, a lot of three and four year starters, and, and they've looked apart so far. Uh, They have, you know, four returning starters on the offensive line and one of the better quarterbacks in the conference and two good running backs. So they have a lot of pieces, so it could be a situation if they come out and, you know, get off to a good start. You know how these things work. Uh, You know, the noise around the program kind of turns into excitement about, you know, how the team is playing. So I would say that would probably be be the best-case scenario for them.
2: So we all know, Doug, when Herm got hired, that it was a controversial hire and he didn't even know the school's nickname and all that stuff. Uh, and we all remember that. He was lambasted. And now it seems like, well, he's gotten a lot of praise. You strip away, they're 15 and 13, I think, uh, under his reign against Division One opponents and a couple of uh, big sky wins. You th- sort of throw them out. Uh, So with that in mind, I'm wondering, and he's kept a lot of games close, and that's the big thing where they only lose by one score, but the style of football that they play would dictate, by and large, that the game be close. But I'm wondering if you view and people in the Valley view this as sort of a make or break, not necessarily a make or break, but he's got to have a breakout season this year.
1: No, I mean, everything, this is his fourth year, and everything is kind of shaped into, I mean, everything is pointed to this year being the year that they really kind of make that huge step and and contend instead of, you know, just finishing with, you know, seven-win regular season, maybe an eighth win during, uh, you can get an eighth win in the bowl. So, yeah, I I think people have been waiting, and, you know, Todd Graham, who was here before, was, was very popular with the fan base. So you know when, when Hearn took over, it, it took him a while to kind of win over the fan base. He did. Um, if you've ever been around Herm Edwards, he's about as likable guy as you will find. And uh, you know, it, it, I think people bought into it really quickly, and were, they were willing to give you know to wait, you know, see where this goes. Recruiting picked up, uh, but now, yeah, there's there's no question. Uh, when they brought in Jaden Daniels as their quarterback, this was the year they kind of circled to say, like this, all right, we could take a big step. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's time. It, it, it is time. I've said before that Arizona State is always next next season university. It, it always seems like, like, okay, we'll be okay this year, but next year is our year. Um, I've covered this program for uh, over 10 years now, and it seems like that's always, <laughs> always what people are saying about Arizona State. So that time is here. Uh, And if you're an Arizona State fan, it's unfortunate that that time has come and you're in the middle of an NCAA investigation that's affected your program. But, um, you know, they have everything in place, seem to have everything in place. They're not the only school that that has a lot of talent, a lot of returning uh, starters. But uh, I would say on paper, Arizona State looks to be, in it's the best position it's been to contend in the Pac-12 than I've seen in a while.
0: Doug Haller, joining us, Arizona State writer for the Athletic. Uh, are they worried at all about the Utes? There, are they worried about uh, USC. They're just worried about themselves.
1: <laughs> I think they are worried about themselves. Uh, anybody who's not worried about Utah uh, is a fool, in my opinion, uh, because they Kyle Winningham, um, one of the more underrated coaches in the country, always has his team. Uh, in position to play, and it's always a bad matchup, it seems, for Arizona State. And, of course, USC always has talent. It just seems like there's just something missing to bring that all together. So, yeah, I, I would say that those two schools would be the one those, are, those they would be the ones I would worry about. And, you know, I think everyone's always kind of wondering if Chip Kelly is going to get it together or if this is the year that Chip Kelly gets it together. He, um, yeah, I would put USC at and, and the top of my list for sure.
2: So I saw you had a piece on trying to keep kids in-state, and I grew up in Arizona, and I'm well aware of that, and I can sort of live with... A quarterback from Arizona in the Valley going to Oregon, going to USC, going to Ohio State, going to Oklahoma, going to Ohio State, but Doug, I cannot live with a quarterback from the Valley going to West Virginia. That's out of it. That's over the top for me, and I've had enough of that. And I don't think that it's going to change, and my number one thing is, I think the kids are just tired of how hot it is, and they want to try something else. But losing a quarterback to West Virginia, that's got
1: to be the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that was interesting. The story that you're talking about is something that we at the athletic we've done through uh, several states is we just contact coaches in the state and ask them a series of questions uh, and they're able to, to speak anonymously so they can be honest um, just about how their programs are recruited in state, out of state, uh, what works, what doesn't. And, you know, the Arizona, the Arizona narrative for a long time has been that they can't keep the top talent in their backyards, and the interesting part about that in relation to Arizona State is that, you know, the coaches I've talked to, i talked to a pretty much said that, you know, Arizona State, when, when Herm first got there, uh, was really active uh, trying to build relationships, and when it didn't immediately pay off, they just kind of shifted gears and directed their attention elsewhere, which, you know, players are players, talent is talent, uh, you know, people have different opinions on that, but when you know, one coach pointed out that, you know, Arizona, the state of Arizona could have You know, possibly three guys in in New York as Heisman finalists this year. Um, You know, it's it's kind of a bad look. I mean, people have pride, and you know, it's always weird to see you know your best players going and and leading other countries to, or I'm sorry, other schools to the college football playoffs. So. Definitely interesting, Um, but yeah, that's been something that I think not only you know I was talking to Dennis Erickson a uh, a few months ago, and you know he he mentioned that he said that you know Arizona always had trouble, and I think you're right. I think the heat has a big (laughs) is a big factor because uh, you know practicing at this time of year and you know 108, 109 degree heat is not fun for anybody.
0: Anybody at Arizona State offering up any opinions on what the conference ought to do with realignment looming?
1: Not really. Uh, I mean, there's been so much. I mean, to be honest, I think that question's only been asked once. Um, I haven't seen – you know, Ray Anderson was at media day, and I requested to talk to him, uh, the athletic director, and uh, was told he wanted to keep the focus on the on the new commissioner and everything. So, I mean, you know, not, not a lot of people are making themselves available right now uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I, I just think everyone's just kind of focused on, you know, just the season and, and just – you know, trying to see what's next and get through this uh, the best they can.
2: Yeah, we were down there broadcasting up on the uh, 12th floor. Uh, we always go down for media day, and, and I have a mutual friend with uh, Ray Anderson, and I went up and said hello to him, and I think he was reluctant to say hi back. He seemed to be a little bit, uh, a little bit edgy when I approached him. I'm wondering, you know, he's the, his, the Herm is his hire, and there was some basketball issue with a booster or something, and Bobby Hurley's wife got involved and all that stuff. I you probably know the details more than I do, but the point being for you, uh, what is the level of confidence in Ray Anderson being able to stay on the job at ASU?
1: Uh, that's interesting. Uh, Ray is not only well respected uh, at Arizona State, but he is uh, well respected within the conference. Um, you know, he's played a major role in certain things um, throughout the years. However, I mean, you're right. Brain on Her, I think, somehow connected those two uh, because it was such an outside-the-box hire. And, you know, I think... You know, and then Ray is really, you know, Michael Crow is also. I I think all three of them are connected. I don't think, you know, I'm not suggesting that this could pull all three of them down. That's not the case. Um, But you know, it's not, it's not uh, a good time for him. And a lot of people are just wondering who all, who all knew about this. Um, You know, and, and we've reported that at least, you know, the number two guy in command in the athletic department, Gene Boyd, was aware. Uh, or at least made aware that there might be some shadiness going on in the football in the football coaching offices, so um i don 't know how much that protects Ray or how much that protects firm i don't know, but you know it seems like to me just starting off uh, by you know starting at the lower levels and getting rid of three of the lower guys on on you know on the on the staff coaching chart um, you know they're they're working from the bottom up i, I you know, I'm not suggesting it'll get to as high as even Antonio Pierce if defensive coordinator. But, you know, I think it's it's not an interesting strategy. I think it was probably the strategy that everyone guessed it would go. Uh but, you know, people do have some questions about Ray, you know, especially with Herm being his guy and then you mentioned the, the booster and the and the and Bobby Hurley's wife, um, you know, and how he handled that. wasn't probably the best. So um it's been it's definitely been an interesting couple of years here.
0: Well, Doug, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Hey, I appreciate you having me. I'm I'm looking forward to the season getting started.
0: Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Two Uh, things. Number one, Kyle's underrated. Every guy says that. He's so underrated that he's the most overrated. You can't be underrated if everybody says you're underrated. That's got to be an outlier opinion. Like, ooh, everyone's rating. But if everyone says you're underrated, then everyone agrees on how you're rated. So you're not underrated.
2: Crazily enough, I follow you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Odds were against it, and yet it happened.
2: And and I have been beating that train now for how long? Everybody loves this
0: guy. Yeah, and as soon (laughs) as Doug said that, I looked at PK and arched the eyebrows, tilted head like, you're underrated.
2: (laughs) Kyle Whittingham gets so much love and respect. Now, it's all earned, so I have no problem with it, but they keep saying it's underrated. If he were in Los Angeles... He would be the greatest thing. But because he's in little old Utah, in dicky Salt Lake City, doing what he does, well, he's got to be underrated. Like the old story I told 20 some years ago Van Horn, sitting there the day before that he was going to go number two in the draft, and everybody knew he was going to go number two in the draft. So, did it bug you that you weren't recruited by big time schools? I was recruited by big time schools. But because he went to Utah, they just assumed that he wasn't. If there was ever a dude who was made to work and live in Utah, it's me. Because you're underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Always the little guy when you're not really the little guy. Whittingham's a stud football coach, but everybody outside of here thinks he's underrated. Drives
0: me nuts. So that's number one. So how much can that be duplicated, though? How much should other coaches look at Kyle and think, well, look how that guy built his image. What have I got to do? Win. How much can I copy? Win. And it's not just winning. Yeah, but
2: you—you, I don't know. You can
0: copy having an
2: eye for your 17 and I see you at 22. How do you have an
0: eye for that? Not everybody has the eye for that. But it's not just the winning; it's winning where it used to be a non-BCS school. Now it's become right power because five. he has
2: the eye to develop talent.
0: And so also, he's underrated too, because he's not getting a bunch of five-star guys, because then he wouldn't be underrated. Well, he's not underrated. He's just not underrated. <laughs> he's not underrated. You, but can't, you want that perception? And well, he he doesn't care now, but I'm uh, not that he ever cared. But a coach, but, but a coach at forty or forty-five would care. Because some people win nine wins, and they can't... The average nine wins, they can't win the big one. And other people win nine, and... How do you do it? He's underrated. Well, you have
2: to. You have to be in a place like ex- that is viewed as the a bunch of people with yeah. horns coming out of your head, and you're eight hours away from Colorado Everything. and six Everything. hours away from Vegas, and so yeah. forth and so on. So you're locked in there in the middle of nowhere. Meanwhile, most folks who live here love living here and they want to be locked here by choice. So they don't know this. It's it's the Ryan Smith thing. This is a a great place, in the Kevin O'Connor, and if you and if you just would open your eyes. You'll see it. And most folks, when they get here, their eyes are wide open and they see it. So we all know because we're here. And they don't know that it, this is a place that you want to be football wise, because we talk about it year round. And they don't talk about it in most most of the Pac-12 places, cities. They're off the radar the only time you're talking about it is if it's like
0: ASU's going to get some run now, but it's going to be negative because they keep dropping coaches. The, the, There's the, so many NFL teams in Pac-12 markets, yeah. not to mention Major League Baseball and NBA. And we just, on and on. Yeah, we just have the one.
2: Yeah, and that plays into come here, and you'll be, big, you'll be big time, and you'll be packed, and everybody will love you here and all that stuff. So they don't understand that because they're not here. In the way that people don't understand, Doug Haller, I said, what about the Heat? Yeah, I think it's a significant reason. Why? Because he's lived there for many years. And you ask Yogi Roth, the foremost uh, Pac-12 authority, I believe, legitimately, I say that sincerely, and you ask, oh no, no, I don't think about it, because he lives in Venice. <laughs> I'm feeling ocean breeze. I don't know what you yeah. people are thinking about.
1: Yeah.
2: The
0: more the marine layer didn't burn <laughs> off till ten thirty this morning.
2: Yeah, and if it gets eighty, it's hot. If it's eighty, you know it's eighty. Oh yeah, that's called uh, October at three in the morning.
0: In that story Doug had, there were a lot of things in there, but he did have one of the high school coaches say, and they had eight anonymous high school coaches from different parts of the valley. And one of them said, well, we just finished practice and it was 109 degrees. Yeah. I think some guys want to get away from well, that. Most do. Believe me, it not sucks. Not every coach went to that, but that one coach, anonymous, whoever the heck he was, I mean, he went right to... He
2: was probably a long-time coach. 109. <laughs> the other guys were new. Yeah. So that's the one thing I wanted to bring up. The second thing I wanted to bring up, Ray Anderson, the athletic director, who graduated from Harvard Law School. I think he played football and baseball at Stanford. Uh, I have to double check that. But he's a Stanford guy and I know he graduated Harvard and all that stuff. Uh, Highly, highly accomplished without question. I just wanted to let you know that his wife's name is Buffy.
0: That's it? Yeah. Okay then. (laughs) I don't know if that has to do with anything, but...
2: Well, isn't that... It's kind of cool. His wife's name is Buffy. Do you know any Buffys outside no. of the Vampire Slayer? Go. <laughs>
1: so I know a TV uh, show. There
2: was, a, there was
0: another TV character though, like back in the '60s. I don't know what show it was. The '60s, and you're yeah. pointing at me asking if I <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah, because you watch old TV shows with your <laughs> parents and your grandparents. You. Uh, you know this stuff. Uh, I, the only one I know is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> There's another one. Whoa. Or what? Uh, I'm struggling now. Um, I have to. I'll. I'll dig up during the break. It'll give me something <laughs> to do during the break. It's. I, I don't a know. Television I, show. A character, but not a real person. Yeah, uh, there were two kids. It might have been a single dad or something in the '60s. I don't know. I can't. I, I'm not old enough to remember that stuff. But I see them in reruns later oh, on, yeah, 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 and it just yeah. didn't do it for me. So I saw five or whatever. Somebody in Buffy. TV characters named Buffy. Oh, of course. Everybody knows
2: that. Family Affair, Jody and Buffy. Yes,
0: there it is. Family (laughs) Affair. They did that stupid kaleidoscope open. Yeah, I don't like that show. (laughs) My brother's trying to watch it. Turn the channel. There's a game on. Come on. Watch that. All right, DJ, that was a good poll by you. Family Affair, though. Well done. All right, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, aside from that bit of nonsense, next.